Welcome back to Money Talks. Live from Miami. I know, right? I got to admit, I love the, I love all the hits we have on the soundboard. <laughs> Nothing but gold. It is. Well, where we left off was talking about some end-of-year uh, planning ideas, and one of those was business um, exit planning, planning for your business. Um, so if it's a business valuation you need, exit planning, advising, financial planning, anything like that, um, any kind of personal help you need, feel free to reach out to us. We have experts in all those areas. You can reach us at 770-429-9166, and we'll get you in touch with the right person to answer um, whatever it is that you need assistance with. Well, why don't you tell them how we can, uh, how they can ask their questions, Nick? As we roll into questions, yeah, if you want to submit your own, you can email them to us at drgene at hensler.com. That's H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Or you can call our question hotline, leave us a message at one 855 429-9166. We will actually play your question on the air. Oh, yeah. It could be be your 15 minutes. Call, write, whatever it is. We'll, we'll be happy to answer it for you. Um, speaking of questions, we got a handful of them this week. First one's Benny from Stonecrest. He writes, I remember hearing a lot about longevity annuities about four, maybe five years ago. How is that market? Are they working like we thought they would, and are they worth looking into? Good question. So the reason you heard a lot about it a couple of years ago was because there was a tax law change in 2014, which had taken this particular version of an annuity. So these are called, these are specifically designated as qualified longevity annuity contracts. So that shortens to QLAC in the common vernacular, right? But they came into the uh, existence 2014. They actually have been around for a number of years, uh, had been used primarily as non-qualified dollars. And the whole concept is, Casey, you asked a question earlier. Yeah, so what is the difference? But I mean, aren't all annuities longevity. longevity annuities? Yes, but these are very specific because the concept behind them is you ex- the client deposits the money, and they are expecting that they are not going to have access to the funds, and they will eventually receive a guaranteed income stream potentially 5, 10, 15 years out. So in the qualified world, where it becomes more interesting is – you can take a client who is having issues, let's say, with regard to their um, required minimum distributions. How many issues do you have clients or how many clients do you have that call you annually and say, why am I having to take this income? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone. So what happens in this particular scenario is clients can now deposit as much as $130,000 of their qualified funds into the QLAC and that money is now separated away and does not have to have required minimum distributions hmm. affected. Gotcha. Now, there's some other stipulations. You can't put – if you had a $130,000 IRA, you could only put as much as 25% of that into this qualified annuity. But if you have a, an account of 500000 600000 you could go as high as 130,000. Did still that used keep, to be 100? Have, that it used been? to be 125 when okay, they first came out. And now they've kind of gone up and they now have set a framework going forward for every couple of years they'll increase it by 10 per, they'll index it every couple of years okay. uh, to have an increase associated with it. But the big deal is um, the concept is they're going to set the $130,000 aside today. It's still as a qualified account, right? but it's going to create an income stream when they hit 75 or hit 80 or hit 85. So you have to predetermine which age you want the annuity benefit. To exactly. You set all that on the front end. There are some stipulations. Some carriers will allow for flexibility. 
if a client enters a scenario where they say, gosh, I set this for income beginning at 80, I need it now. Well, you can, there are some uh, access points that you can um, draw some of that down sooner, or you could push it out even further. So if you hit age 80, say, gosh, I really am not interested taking this income now. Maybe I could push it out again to 85. But you so, can only do that one time, though. So what happens okay. if you pass away before taking a benefit? Well, the death benefit is essentially a return of your premium. We've heard that one from the oh, first yeah. segment, right. right? So you're not looking to get a return on the dollar. You're looking for the longevity income guarantee that's sure. associated with it. Um, so one idea, I know one company in particular will do a mathematical calculation and give someone what their anticipated rate of return would look like if it had been a a deposit today and a and the income. So there, if you deposit at age 70, $100,000, and you begin an income at age 80, they're going to put a hypothetical with uh, return to say you're probably going to earn somewhere like four four and a half percent on the total amount of money, if assuming you have normal life expectancy. Right. But um, these have come about. We we've done. You see them some. used often. Well, I, I have actually seen more used in non-qualified funds because in a non-qualified scenario, same concept, you're actually establishing a pension plan. So if someone has come into a significant dollar figure, or if they just want to do some planning and they they do want to see an income, a guaranteed income, mm. uh, we have seen that that this has come into a popular setting where. Um, they can access more like a, a guaranteed pension plan, mm -hmm. and they can base their retirement plan on some of the facts that that come from. I have this amount of income I know is coming in. Sure. So uh, yeah. these are becoming more interesting because of the fact that they can ab absolve themselves from required minimum distributions. Right. That's one of the key drivers for these QLACs. Um, and you can put it in. You can put it into the QLAC. At any age, or does that have to be? You have to be 59 and a half. Is there a? There's there's not a specific age, but it's more for that client that's going to hit age 70. Yeah. Uh, so you typically wouldn't see it. Because um, you just it, rather than it's take a natural that out of your R&D. Right. You so you're basically just are you just basically rolling those funds into there? Yeah. So you so the QLAC is ex, ex, extracting if it's in an IRA today. Right. Your IRA funds. Whatever the dollars are invested in. You would take $130,000 and go put it in XYZ Insurance Company, mm -hmm. which is now designated in your name as a QLAC. So it's separated away so you're not having to do the RMD calculation. But you do have um, – it is qualified funds. Right. So all dollars that will come in income will be fully taxed when they actually you, you buy yourself some time from having to – Exactly. And they do protect the client from somehow running out of money. Mm -hmm. That's the whole longevity concept, right? So that there is a guaranteed income that will be there for the rest of their life. Interesting. So, well, yeah, that's, yeah, that's good info there, Jim. Yeah. yeah, thanks, Jim. All right, next question we've got. Cheryl and Joey from Roswell. We've owned shares of Caterpillar for many years. We've certainly made our profits. We hate to sell, but from what I'm reading, the trade war with China is really going to be taking a toll on the company. Is it time to sell? Yeah, this is a, this is a tough one. Um, it's The stock... Does not look particularly expensive. Valuation looks pretty decent compared to its historical um, PE ratios, other value, valuation ratios, and uh, the growth looks attractive. 
Um, but I have my concerns with, as you said, the trade war and just global growth as a whole. Something I talked about earlier on on the show is commodity prices, right? Yeah. If you have global growth slowing, then you would assume a lot of these commodities, demand is going to go down for them because most of them are used in <laughs> construction, um, think steel, things like that. So with commodity prices down and expectations for global growth slowing, that's a huge avenue for Caterpillar. Yeah. So the prospects, in my opinion, are just kind of shaky right now. Like I said, it's come far off the, the year-to-date high of, I think, $178, trading close to 130 now. Well, the but last I time just, we had a big dip in commodity prices, I mean, that, that had a huge impact on industrial companies. Absolutely. And these so. are the most cyclical names you can possibly buy. Right. So let's say that in 18 months from now, we do go into recession. Who's going to get hit the worst? It's it's names like Caterpillar. Yeah. So if you've made your money in the name and it doesn't owe you anything, I, I don't think you're going to miss a tremendous amount of upside, um, considering that I do think we're late cycle. I, I would probably go ahead and take your profits here and, and look for another investment. Good. One more, t- one more question before we run out of time here, Casey. Hopefully you can get through this one kind of quick. Um, Marshall from Ableton, my company has a profit sharing plan rather than 401k. How do these work? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of times a profit sharing plan and a 401k are kind of tied together into, into the company retirement plan. Basically the profit sharing, a lot of times they're structured so that the company is not required to contribute to the profit sharing, but mm-hmm. if they, you know, they have a good year or they want to make an extra contribution to, to the employees. employees, then they can do that through the profit sharing. And it's not part of the employer's or the employee's deferral, rather. So, I mean, you've got some different limits and things that, you know, probably going to run out of time here. But um, there's some slight differences, but basically the biggest difference is one is an employer only. The profit sharing is employer only. The uh, 401K is usually salary deferrals from the employee. All right. Well, you know, last few weeks, as I mentioned, we've been talking about end-of-year planning. And, uh, Casey, something you and I um, have, you know, recently gotten – additional education on, and it's a, it's a topic that you don't realize is so common uh, until you really dive into the curriculum. Yeah. Um, but it's the idea of exit planning. You know, as, as you come to the end of the year, you start making these New Year's resolutions, and depending where you are in your life, if you're a business owner, maybe it's finally time that you start thinking about what is the future of my business? Well, and you Do say I, finally time because it's, uh, I mean, exit planning, really one of the focus of the curriculum that we just went through uh, to get our, we got this designation called the SEPA certified exit planning advisor. Um, one of the, the focuses of that is that exit planning is really just good business strategy. It is. It's not all about the, the exiting of sale of your business. And, and, and I, and back to me saying finally time to think about it. It, it doesn't matter if you're 30 years old, if yeah. you're, if you're 40, 50, the earlier you start, the better. Yeah. This Plan isn't with some... the end in mind. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, this isn't something you start a year. Oh, I think I'm ready to retire next year. Well, it's a little late to be starting to think about this. I mean, it's never too late. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But you're better off. It's just like financial planning. You know, I mean, a lot of we encourage clients to start thinking about financial planning, even if they're 30 years old. You, you know, you may be 35, 40 years from retirement, but uh, it's never too early to start planning. And the, usually, the better outcomes are had when you start planning earlier. Um, exit planning is no different, and uh, I think you know we've got some research here, some data from the. Uh, this is a market study that is done by the Exit Planning Institute uh, called the State of Owner Readiness. And this, and this for, one focuses on Georgia. Yeah, focused on Georgia, and I think Nick's got some statistics that we found a little surprising. Yeah, uh, so 65% of the Georgia sample of business owners are 53 years of age 
or older. So, right. you know, they fall into that baby boomer category and, and are nearing their retirement age. And although 91% of business owners indicated agreement um, with the statement um, that having a transition strategy is important for both my future and for the future of my business. So even though 91% of business owners agreed with this statement, there's only a small percentage of those, about 30, that have actually done anything. Taken step one. Yeah. 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 And that's done anything. I mean, that's... Yeah. Uh, you know, Thought about it. <laughs> right, right. Um, I mean, it's clear that a lot of business owners believe that it's important to plan for an exit strategy or to have an exit strategy, but... And there's so much to consider. So not just really how do you want to transition the business, but do you do you want to transition it all together? Do you want to do you want to continue to collect income off that because you can't outright sell it if you want to continue to receive cash flows from it? Is that required? And I think kind of step one, as they referred to in the curriculum, Casey, is the triggering event. Yeah. Um, you know, we we have a lot of clients who are business owners, and you'll ask them what their business is worth, and they'll give you this worth, and they'll give you this number. Well, what is that? What, where do you come up with that number? Well, right. my friend told me that they sold their business at five times EBITDA. Okay, well, what kind of business did they have? Right. Um, mm. Was it more financially stable than yours? Uh, was it run more efficiently? Sure. You know, there, there's a number of different factors that can play in, into that valuation, and sometimes it's totally off base. So if you're a business owner looking to transition 10 years from now or now, get a business valuation done. Yeah, absolutely. Have, have a, a, you know... A basis for why you say your business is worth five million dollars, or why it's worth ten million dollars, not just oh, it's my back of the envelope calculation. Yeah, because that matters. It does. And the other the other thing that's important and people don't really realize, I mean, while the market sets those multiples, they they really just set the range of multiples. So you know, when you hear about somebody selling their business for eight times EBITDA, okay, well that's great, but the range for that business may be you know eight to twelve times EBITDA, and so they got on the low end of that range. So there, there may have been some things they could have done to position the business more, uh, absolutely, much better within I, that range. You think of things that we encountered in the case studies we've worked on. It's some businesses maybe they're, they're concentrated for customers. They have four customers that account for eighty percent of their revenue. Well, that's a huge concentration issue. Yeah, and you take discounts for things like that. Absolutely. Um, and so there, there's a lot that you can do that you may not be thinking about. You know, the other another component to it is what are you how are you using the business today? I mean, is it a lifestyle business? Are you drawing the income out of it? And right. You, you really, you know, need it. I think a lot of our clients fall into this category where they they can't really sell the business because they're, they're it is them. It is them. <laughs> they are they are the business, and they also are, you know, they're using they're spending out of the business resources for their personal lifestyle, uh, which is you know acceptable to do. It's just gonna that's not gonna maximize the value of your business at transfer. Uh, and that's really what it's all about is to to make it so that it is transferable for one. I mean, that's most importantly, can you sell it? Can you transfer it to the next generation? Is it a family business? Um, are you looking to, to try to pass it on to children or grandchildren or other, you know, family members? And um, it doesn't just stop there. It, it you know, exit planning goes beyond the sale of the business. Well, you need to know what are you going to do? Okay. If I sell my business, right. then what am I going to do? Yeah. What am I going to do in retire? I'm going to retire. Okay, well, what does that mean? Because if you've run this business for the last 20, 30 years, and all of a sudden it's not yours anymore. Right. You know, that, it's a new a world. It's a whole new issue. world. It is. It's a big emotional issue. And you need to, you know, have ways that you're going to occupy your time. And, and you know, these need to be specific. It's not just, oh, I'm going to play golf. 
Right. That that's gonna you're not gonna do that forever. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you can only play golf for so long. Um, mm-hmm. You know. The, I mean, that the, might be a long time. <laughs> <laughs> it might be. It might be. Um, but you know, things can happen that can derail even the best laid plans. And and the. Go ahead, Jim. Nick, I was just going to say, you know, your first comment was you ask somebody, what is your business worth? They give a number. It's a back-of-the-napkin number. But that is a factor that they have already put in their head. That's and exactly where I want to go with this. They, they do their planning essentially based their on Their retirement that. planning is based on the fact, well, my business is worth $5 million. Yeah. Well, that doesn't – first of all, it doesn't take into account the fact that – How's this deal going to be structured? How many companies go and just get bought in all cash? In all cash, yeah. That's the, uh, the great point. Very rare. And yeah. and the, the statistics of once a business goes up for for sale, how many of those actually get done? I want to say it was like a third. A yeah. third, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was very low. So, you know, if, if, if your retirement actually, plan is based on – I think it's 20%. On, is, is it? 20%. Yeah, I know. It's, it's still – it's crazy the businesses low. businesses that go to market actually get sold. Yeah. And the cat – I mean, you mentioned the – the deal what's what's the deal how's it going to be structured most of the time you're not going to get all cash so is it going to be there's going to be some terms attached to it i mean and i'm guilty of this as a or used to be now that i got my sepa i won't do this anymore. <laughs> right. but you know as a financial planner somebody tells me on pay okay well i see you have a business how much do you think your business is worth five million dollars all right i'm writing down five million dollars i'm putting that in your balance sheet right and i'm going to assume that at some point you're going to liquidate that and it's going to come over and you're going to be able to live off that money well that hardly ever happens that way in reality. So yeah. to, to be able as a, you know, financial planner, wealth advisor, to be able to, to look at what is truly the value and what, what kind of terms can you expect when you do exit to help incorporate that into the financial plan, personal financial plan is really valuable. Mm. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a great end of year thing to consider beginning of a new year thing to consider, no matter if you're an old business owner, young business owner, start thinking about it. And a lot of people get kind of bothered by the costs associated with it because you know it's sometimes it it's not cheap if it's a big company but the money you spend up front yeah if it makes you if it gets you to that five million dollar target valuation that you want then it's worth it right you you spend a little money now and you reap the benefits in the long term so you know it's something we don't talk about too often guys but i think it's a it's a great conversation to have yeah you're in planning absolutely we made it guys absolutely russia we made it what's the market (laughs) going to do next week up jim I say buying a new. Oh, no. <laughs> Market's going up, in my opinion. Thanks for listening to Money Talks. See you next week. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.